Welcome to episode 260 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. When I was sharing early drafts of Small List Big Results with my assistant, Paya Robbins, she had quite the reaction. She realized that for years, she had been avoiding the one strategy that was guaranteed to help her figure out what her audience wanted, asking them. In other words, she was the reason her business wasn't as successful as it could be. That stings. I dug a little deeper with her and other early readers who expressed angst but whether they would actually follow the detailed step-by-step instructions in the book to wake up their network. They said they'd heard the advice before to do research, but never before had specific steps to follow. Now that they did, they felt some resistance creep up, even though logically, this strategy made a lot of sense. At the root was feeling like they had to admit not knowing something to reach out and ask others for help. It made them feel like a failure. Often, These were the same people that were sought out to solve problems within their families and friendship circles. Reaching out made them feel vulnerable. This mindset keeps their network from sharing support and knowledge and leaves them feeling very much alone as a business owner. From the outside, it always looks like everyone else has it all figured out. In reality, we're all doing our best with the information and skills we have. If we could get the support and knowledge we need, we'd be doing even better. Our impact on the world would be greater, as would our income. Your challenge this week. In a word or two, how do you feel about asking for help? Now, think about a time that you helped someone. How did that feel? I'm going to guess that asking makes you feel angsty and helping makes you feel awesome. Now, you might have some caveats, such as the ask has to feel right for the relationship, and I get that. That said, if you never ask for help, you are denying your friend's happiness. Yes, I went there. It's time to stop making it about you and go get the support you need to help even more people. Start by following the steps in the Wake Up Your Network workbook, which you'll receive when you download the Big Results Toolkit at smalllistbigresults.com. Try this and let me know how it goes. Before we dive into this week's interview, if you're hoping I could support your entrepreneurial success story, I'd love to schedule a chat. I want to better understand what you're trying to achieve in your business so I can create with you an opportunity to work together. Are you willing to schedule a research call with me? Awesome. Email Robbie at RobbieSamuels.com. Thank you so much. Now, on to this week's interview. Today's interview is a bit of an experiment as we met for a live interview that was streamed to LinkedIn and Facebook. This was the first of a series of conversations I'm having with entrepreneurs who read my latest book, Small List, Big Results, Launch a Successful Offer, No Matter the Size Your Email List, to find out how they're implementing the strategy in the book to grow their business. We dig into what mindset junk comes up while reading, what aha moments they experienced, and what steps they are now committed to taking. My first guest in this series has had access to this material for longer than anyone else, and her feedback along the way has helped me shape the book's content and how it was marketed. 
She's been supporting my business in a wide variety of ways since February 2020, which means she has had a front row seat to the wild journey I've been on over the last 20 months. Please join me in welcoming my assistant, Paya Robbins. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to my first ever LinkedIn Live. I'm thrilled to be here with my guest, Paya Robbins. Paya has been my trusted assistant since February 2020. Uh, she has really seen kind of the, the good and bad of everything that's happened in the last 20 months and you know how my business really came to a halt. And she also was there as I rebuilt it by reinventing myself and growing my business from zero to six figures in just eight months. Honestly, a lot of the success that I've had in the past year and a half or so can really be contributed to the fact that I had the right kind of team to support me. Um, but reason we're here tonight is because she's also a business owner um, and she has been thinking um, a lot about the book that I just put out and had some reactions to it. And if you are here, then you saw her review of the book, um, which, which I think grabs your attention. A lot of people really responded to it. It's actually the top review right now on Amazon. A lot of people said it was helpful. And the book is called Small List, Big Results, Launch a Successful Offer No Matter the Size Your Email List. And I thought Paya and I could have a conversation about that reaction and what she's learned working with me over the last year and a half and how that has impacted her business as a virtual assistant. So welcome, Paya, and thank you for being my inaugural guest, otherwise known as a guinea pig. <laughs> thank you so much for inviting me to do this with you. So um, let's let's just dive right in. You know, when you and I were talking about the book and the book concepts, you'd heard some of it along the way over the last year and a half because, you know, I, I kind of can't help but coach. Um, I, I, I remember you having a lot of sort of visceral responses to things you were learning, um, which I felt like your review just kind of captured some of that. What was going on for you as you were, you know, reading this book um, that someone actually described to me as, a very quick read that I'll be revisiting for the next 10 years. So um, what was your reaction and how did it impact the way you think about your business? So I don't, it's a quick read, but for me it wasn't because I kept stopping and I'm just like, damn it, why? Like, why would he say that? And it's, again, stuff that I've heard, stories that you've told me, stories we've talked about. And it just... I kept, I would read it and then I would put it down and I'm like, okay, let me keep going. I'm taking notes. I'm planning things out on the side and I'm like, oh, that's why I'm stuck. It's not this thing. It's that thing that's really affecting me. So for me, it took quite a long, I, I feel like it took a long time to get through the whole thing. Be, but honestly, like I could feel, like I wrote in my review, I could feel my brain like, hey girl, Here's further proof that you're overcomplicating things. You know, when when we were talking about the book before it was really out there in the world, and you had you gotten the initial copies. Um, I remember there was a, a moment that I was writing a weekly email actually about this, and you you felt attacked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, it was it was a great reaction because I watched you read a draft of the email in front of me, and um, I don't think I expected that reaction. So what was that about? And and I think some of that also happened as you were reading the book. So it was, we were battleshipping like we do. One of my favorite things. We that should we describe do what that is. Yeah. What is battleshipping? It's a really so cool thing. we basically, it's co-working. 
but you know, you sometimes we sit in silence. Sometimes you know we'll laugh, and the other person will ask, like, "What are you laughing at?" Or we'll play music or whatever. But just to have someone else there is helpful, especially during all this, because you know we're in the middle of a pandemonium still. And some of us are used to being in the office. Some of us are not. It's hard to get things done by yourself. Maybe mm-hmm. you feel like you're not motivated. So yeah, so I was, I was drafting this email and asked yep. you to read it. And I was sitting there minding my business, just drafting content and organizing spreadsheets. And you were like, hey, read this. And I said, sure, why not? And I read it and I remember clutching my chest. I was like, Why? Why would you ask me to read this? And it was three lines in. Yeah. It, it was not even, we had not even gotten to the point of the email. I was three lines in and I was just like, okay, I'm going to leave the Zoom room. And, 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 and it gone. was about, it was about kind of a, a common mistake that entrepreneurs make um, around building their, their solution, their offer, their online course without talking to people. And I was thinking I was sort of naming that as a problem. And the book goes into that with great detail. So tell me a little bit more about um, how the book has gotten you thinking differently about your work and your business. So one one of the stories particularly that I think, and I, it, I remember it being in the beginning of the book, but it, it's about someone who basically everything was, you know, planned out and all that. And, and, they were stuck on something, but they they weren't naming the thing that they were stuck on. And it turned out it was this like super old wound. Mm-hmm. And I've been struggling with that. I have, I mean, you've, you've seen me, we've worked together now almost two years and it's, you know, I'm constantly feel like I'm flip-flopping between ideas or like, I want to go this way. I want to go that way. Yeah. And still in the back of my mind, it's like, I got to make money if I want to be considered successful. Because if I'm not making like it, it was all these things, and I'm like, none of that is the problem. No, none of it is the problem. I'm just making it a problem. There's a story in the book about a client I had who um, had been wanting to do some some live in person um, classes, and she had a great idea for it, and she had a great audience for it. And she previously had not done anything like this. She was a professional speaker, but she didn't have an offer that was not speaking on a stage. And we talked for weeks about all the different aspects of it, like description, the location, the offer, the timing, the money, the tickets, the RSVP process. The I mean, we tried to simplify it as much as possible. And I noticed that even though we were dealing with all these sort of minor issues, she wasn't ramping up. <laughs> and she had been talking about doing something like this for a very long time. So I think in moments like that, it's worth stopping to ask yourself, what is getting in the way of your brilliance? Because the thing you're probably trying to solve for isn't actually the core issue. And it's worth being a little more you know, reflective and really trying to get at that or meet with someone, meet with a friend or a, I mean, a therapist. I don't know. <laughs> and just right. trying to figure that out. And so I, I, I think it's fairly common that we we solve the wrong problem a lot, I think, in our businesses and um, often spend a lot of money and time in ways that maybe don't serve us and don't serve our business. I think what's so special, really, the way that it's framed is, so that woman had a very specific issue and it was something in the book, it's like it was something having to do with her partner and money. 
And we, so as entrepreneurs, we get in our own ways constantly. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm right there with you all. Yep. Um, we get in our own way and we take this, these problems or whatever. And we're like, oh, it's because I need this software or because mm-hmm. I need this thing, or I need to hire someone or whatever the problem we think it is. And really the issue is that we're not finding out what the problem is. Mm. And that's the problem. Like we're we're creating all these excuses and trying to do all these things, but we're not looking like really diving deep to be like, okay, this is the thing that's keeping me stuck. Yeah, what's really holding us back, right? It's not usually the simple things. Yeah, actually, I think you're referring to in what happened was when that client was sort of hesitating, I shared a story with her about a colleague who was making great money was making more money every year, but she had hit a plateau and she couldn't get past it. And we were at dinner with a bunch of people at a conference and everyone at the table started to just give her ideas. I mean, it was sort of almost, um, it was, it was like a mastermind, but I wondered at some point whether she didn't want any more ideas. (laughs) Like, like it felt like it was happening to her. And I, I sat back, you know, if there's that many people, I don't need to be another cook. But the next day we, we were together in a room and I said to her, you're a really smart and savvy businesswoman who's done great things with your business the last few years. If you wanted to make more money, you'd be making more money. So why do you think you're not making more money? And that one question led to her realizing that what was holding her back was that she had a little fear. The next plateau meant she'd make more money than her husband. And she didn't think that he'd be okay with it. So I said, either you have to have a difficult conversation or reset what your success mo- metrics are, because you're not going to, you're not going to do that. Like if it's going to, if it's going to mess up your marriage, you're not, not going to do that. So either you're going to get the support you need, or you're going to decide that where you are is where you need to be. And you're going to stop beating yourself up for not getting further. And I think this is, you know, unfortunately the, the support piece could be based in reality, could be our fears. It's hard to know until we get into the conversation. But it's things like that, that, you know, don't come up when people are trying to give you tips on um, marketing this and SEO that. And you need a, a, a new like email sequence. And, you know, and uh, I'm like, she knows all those things. Like she, if she's built it to this level, she knows that stuff. That's right. not like, I just think that even as friends, we'd be better off stopping ourselves from giving advice sometimes and just asking people what they think's going on. Because I think people deep down do know, but they just usually have a space that's safe enough to talk about right. it. And it's easy to ignore. Yeah. It's, e- it's easy to ignore because then we have to call ourselves out and be like, name it, name the thing and give it power. Right. And we're scared of where that will take us. So the book has a lot about mindset in the very beginning. Um, that was on purpose. I think that giving people a list of steps and instructions is, is helpful, but a lot of the information in the book, you know, wasn't brand new. I mean, these, these concepts no. exist. So just organize them in an easy method, but having access to information doesn't help if you don't have the right mindset to act on it. And I tried to weave in mindset throughout the book, but definitely in the very beginning, specifically it's called <laughs> mindset. Mindset is the name of the section. Um, what, what shifted for you? Was it was it in the beginning as you're reading those stories that things started to shift? Or was it was it, Yeah, go ahead. I'd love to hear this. It was it was in the beginning. So mm. I, obviously I had the privilege to be part of it behind the scenes. So 
already before this book even took its final form, I'm I'm sitting here with these ideas, with these things. And as you reorganize things and we would talk about it in meetings and I'm just like, I have to get my stuff together. Mm-hmm. Like I just have to, I, I refuse. This book is going to come out and I'm going to feel attacked all over again. Like I need to do something about this. So while you were writing and organizing and we were doing all these things, I, that's when I made the decision. So I was like, I can't take on new clients because I literally feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And I was considering going back into traditional employment, which there's nothing wrong with that. And people do it. Mm-hmm. Entrepreneurs do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I, I might have to do that. And then the book came out and I sat there and I was like, I'm going to sit today and I'm going to read this whole thing and I'm just going to read it. And then I like the mindset stuff was good because already all that head trash that I had, it mm-hmm. was like, th- those are not real things. Those are not real ghosts. Like, Mm -hmm. it's okay. You can keep going. And then it got to the very practical, not new things to me. And really not to any of it. Very basic, like, do this. You want to offer something? Is this your passion? Are you happy doing this? Talk to your people. Oh, you think you don't have people? You absolutely have people. Let me show you how to, you know, Find your people because clearly you're blind or your glasses are not the right prescription and you can't see the people that are in front of you. All of that I was complicating. All of it. But I think the mindset is what really set me on that path because I really started to sit with it and think about it. And I figured out it it was a family thing, but it wasn't. My partner is the most supportive. Every time I want to try something, he's like, do it. Mm -hmm. Do it. Just tell me where to be where I can throw streamers and glitter, like I'm going to be there. But it was, it was more like a generational thing. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a business owner. That's not common in my family. I am not working. My mom still sends me job applications. She's like, Hey, this place is hiring. And I'm like, okay, thanks. Uh (laughs) I guess. Yeah. But it, it was linking that naming it, dealing with it, even obviously not fully, but dealing with it and then like oh let me look at my network i know 10 people who i'm super close to that i can just ask questions and bounce things off of them even you like there were times where i wasn't even asking you questions and we literally speak every day Mm -hmm. and i could and then i started opening up more and i'm like can i run something by you can i do we're already talking about other things and Mm -hmm. they made that easier and i think the the thing I love the most um, is that, like, these people already exist. Mm-hmm. I'm not going out there. I'm not cold calling. I'm not sending, you know, creepy DMs to people. These people already know me. And no if creepy I'm like, DMs, people. Is, no, isn't that no, a relief? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and I'm just like, hey, do you have five minutes? Can I send you a Starbucks gift card and we can, you know, chit-chat on Zoom for 20 minutes and have a coffee together? Mm-hmm. And I would just ask questions and be like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And people I already knew it was not that much effort to do. Right. I just had to sit down and do it, but I was not connecting those dots. So I just want to broaden this out a little bit because I don't know why it's so common. I experienced it. I don't actually think I've yet met an entrepreneur who's a successful entrepreneur who has not done this, which is build something, build some kind of solution, some kind of, you know, offer a course, 
program, et cetera, and had it not sell, like basically just bang your head trying to get the market to care. And it's just, it's so demoralizing because you know, I mean, you're an expert and you know people need this. And of course, the solution is to go find an audience first and co-create the offer. It's just not an obvious solution. So once you start doing it, it seems so evident. And the thing that this reminds me of um, is I was saying to someone on one of my podcast interviews uh, that I've been doing lately um, that this um, this really reminded me of Mike McCallowitz's book, Profit First, which I love, highly recommend. But when I read this book, it just felt so self-evident. Like, of course, that's the way you should run your business. Money comes in, you take your profit out first, you take the amount of money you want to pay yourself first, you take out your money first. What's left is the amount you spend on your expenses, which is the opposite of what I've been doing as a business owner. But of course, with a paycheck, that's what I would have done. But with as a business owner, $1,000 came in and I was like, oh, look, I have $1,000 to spend on things. That's not true. And the first year that I implemented Profit First, I had a profit, right? Even though I didn't have a lot of money, I had a profit. When I was saying this to this podcast host, he knew Mike McCallowitz and said that Mike almost didn't publish that book. He almost didn't write that book because to him, it was so self-evident. Like that is the way to do things until he looked around and realized no one was doing it right. And that when he published it, it's like launched this you know whole cottage industry for him and for a lot of people around how to do this smart. So I, I, I mean, I would love to have a revolution where entrepreneurs like don't have to go through the trials and tribulations that we go through. But I have now met, and I'm curious about your reaction to this. I now have talked to a handful of very new entrepreneurs, people that I'm close to and people who I don't know, but who referred to me, who are the very, very beginning of like a, a coaching, you know, uh, they want to be coaching people around like, a, I think one of them was um, health and wellness type, actually two of them were health and wellness. They absolutely are resistant to taking the time. Um, I don't think either one's even read the book. Um, they're, they're like, they're just, they're just putting out offers. They're like, Hey, I have this course. I have this class. I like the questions. I said, what are, what are your questions you have? Well, I'm, I'm doing a course. And I've been certified. And I've access to all this content. I don't know what content to lead out. I'm not sure what the order of the con- I'm like, have you made any sales? No. <laughs> Do you know who your market is? Well, I have this idea. Have you talked to them? No. So, why do you think that is? Like, even when I'm standing in the middle of the road with a caution flag saying, there's a pothole ahead, drive slowly. They're like driving, you know, right through all the hazards um, without, with reckless abandon, because this is what, what they're committed to doing is like launching this. They know they have something. What do you think that is? Because you, you probably experienced this in some ways, because you also work with a lot of different clients. You probably witnessed it in other ways. This, this is a sport team. Mm-hmm. What what do you think that is? I, I'm still trying to get to the bottom of the psychology of that. So I I I really dislike that this is gonna be my answer, but because we know better, we know everything. We have made the decision to be an entrepreneur, to determine our own future, our own schedules, our own timelines, and our own paychecks. Mm-hmm. So why? Why would I listen to anybody? No, I'm going to do this because I've already taken the leap and decided I am the decider of my fate and I'm going to be an entrepreneur. That's it. So instead, I'll I'll Mm. listen to all the fancy talk everywhere and I'll be like, oh yeah, maybe I'll try that, but I'm not going to, like we skip the basics. 
Yeah, in the book, I talk about expert syndrome. I feel like there are two extremes for why people don't take action, um, even when they know that this is this is a particular path. One is they don't think they have a list, um, not just an email list, but they just they're just like resistant to the idea of doing even the, the beginning of the research to to start to even realize they have a list. So they like resist taking even the minimal steps out of embarrassment, out of hesitation, out of angst around networking or talking to people. And then there's the other extreme, the people who just don't think they need that. <laughs> and it's the experts who say that. Um, the people who are novices and nervous, it's because they don't know enough information. And that's partly their hesitation to talk to people. But the people who absolutely think they know everything, I call it expert syndrome. And they're the ones who like really, re I've seen really resist this because they know. And I, I love what you're saying. It's like, it's not a great answer because That's I wish not. we could solve for it, but I don't know if there's a way to solve for people, but I know that as soon as people get their hands in this book, they immediately start thinking differently uh, about their business, about their next steps, and they can save people so much time. I mean, I heard back from people saying, oh, but like doing this will take time. And I'm like, three, six weeks, 12 weeks. So let's it's say it bad. takes 12 weeks. All right, it's three months compared to a year and a half of like building something, paying all that money. I mean, I know people who build websites and paid for video content and learning management systems, and then no one bought. In fact, this is one client I work with. She did all of that. One person who was a friend of hers bought the course. She was paying for the learning management system. She paid someone for the videos. She didn't know where the video original files, the, um, the, the recorded files were saved, didn't have access to the unedited files, couldn't get the file. Like, all that money, all that money, you know, and, and she was so sure she was building it. So I, of course, showed up after the fact. And that's the hardest thing is to tell people, yeah, that last year and a half, <laughs> those thousands of dollars <laughs> and all that time, we could avoid that. I would much rather be helping people before they get down that path. And then so, once they once they do that, then there's shame attributed to it. And you're mm -hmm. like, oh, well, I tried that and it didn't work. So maybe right. my whole idea is wrong. And then they try to, they go on to search for a new idea. Right. Right. So um, the concept in the book, uh, the subtitle, I should say, the subtitle of the book is launch a successful offer no matter the size of your email list. And some of my, um, I've been on a lot of live interviews recently, which is partly what inspired me to do the lives that we're doing um, together tonight. And um, one of them is great about asking people ahead of time for questions. And what was funny is the question was, will he talk about email sequences? I feel like I got to get better at email sequences. <laughs> so after we were in an interview, at the very end, she was like, let me see. I think there were some questions ahead of time. And she like reads it. She goes, oh, I'll have to reach out to him. Now that I've heard this whole interview, I know that it's not about the email sequences. <laughs> so the subtitle was written. I want to explain this because I think that it's interesting to think about. My original subtitle was leverage your network to grow your business because I know the solution is to engage with your network. And I realized in the process of, of creating the cover that my ideal reader doesn't know that. That's not the solution they're looking for. So I think a sort of meta problem that I was having with the book was the content was great. The content I had workshopped with people, I knew the content would be good, but my title wasn't gonna resonate, wasn't gonna hit home. And so I had to think about what is the little p problem, right? What is the presenting problem? What is it that the people I'm trying to reach think they need to solve for? That is not actually the big issue, but it's a little, I call it little p and big p problems. 
And the little people problem is they think the reason they're not selling is because they don't have enough big, big enough email list, right? So that's why the subtitle was that. And the title originally was Smallest Big Ambition with a question mark. And I discovered that my ideal readers who are entrepreneurial women over 50, demographically and psychographically, it's people in that age range of any gender who are looking to have a greater impact and greater income through one-to-many programs like courses and programs, group, group programs. Um, they didn't like the word ambition, these women. And then I said, how about goals? And one woman wrote in response, I have enough goals, I need results. And like four other women responded to that. <laughs> But I was like, okay. So I just want to point out that even when you've got great content, how you package it really matters because um, the title that I ended up with, I, I think is great. And the cover, I, my instincts was this blue cover with this like network graphic of women all in circles, all being tied together. And yeah, the my audience was very clearly interested in the white one with like this like Wi-Fi symbol. It was like a Rorschach test. So, like it's about communication. It's about building. It's about an audience. It's about. I mean, it was just amazing. This one image had so many meanings. Um, so I I think that the reflection from that is that I am not my ideal reader, right? I am not my ideal client. Now it's possible that at some point I may have been more like those people. And that's partly why I know what I know, but I'm not where I was, right? So often we've learned, we've grown, we're experts. So even though we were maybe once more like those people, we're not today. And so it's really important to test all of your assumptions because you could have amazing content and it won't land because the people don't see themselves in what you're offering. Um, so I feel like that that was sort of a meta lesson for me as I was creating this. And I still find it interesting. People are like, oh, great, you're going to teach me about like, email sequences. And I'm like, actually, no. I mean, I love the idea of us working on our email list, but that's like secondary to how do we make money right now in the next like three, six months. Um, any thoughts on that, Paya? Because I know you were part of that whole process as I was like workshopping the title and the cover and just kind of figuring it all out. Workshopping the title was fun because whenever you would post it somewhere, you would mention it in a group that you were part of and you would come back and we would talk about it and kind of unpack it a little bit. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Really? Ambition? And I, I didn't understand. Like the title to me, I love the title. I love what it morphed into from the beginning. I think my biggest excitement came from when we looked at those cover designs. Because it the, the Wi-Fi one was, I think there were eight different ones. And it was like number six or seven. And as yeah. soon as you scroll through, I was like, that's it. It's a Wi-Fi symbol. It is perfect for what this book is and you looked at me and you were just like really are you sure <laughs> let's look let's start again and I was like fine let's let's do it from the beginning and we had ones that we didn't like right away right. and we knew and we were sort of flip-flopping but it's just perfect and and minor edits I think from that first initial design mm -hmm. but it was just perfect because it 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 represents us, right? We're at the bottom. We're the entrepreneur with these amazing ideas and skills and things we can put out there. And, you know, the little broadcast symbol. We, we want to tell everybody. Yeah, exactly. And that's the part we're scared of. Right. So you mentioned about like the email list and things that people wanting to know sequencing. I still, even now, after reading this book, after working with you for so long, my email list is my husband. That is my entire list. One person who 
for better or worse, has decided to support me, regardless of what crazy idea I come up with, what, what mm-hmm. wild thing I put out into the world. And I put myself out there in other ways and realized, oh my gosh, these people really respond to just me talking like a mm-hmm. real human and, and talking about ideas. I've even workshop things with people. Mm-hmm. And they're like, whenever, whenever you launch that, just let me know. I'm signing up. And I'm like, this thing doesn't even exist yet. Like, this is a figment right now. And well, they're like, we don't care. I, I, my challenge to you is for you to figure out how to start getting people onto your email list. So just to clarify, I'm not anti-email lists. I just think that people often overweigh, like, the importance of having this, like, big, and big means different things, different people. Right. Um, but they feel like they have to reach a certain pinnacle before they can build their business. And all you need to have a business, uh, and this was actually earlier today, uh, one of my, um, uh, my friend Beth um, interviewed me, Beth Granger, and she, she was reminded of a story where she was telling people, the only thing you need for a business is a client. <laughs> That's the only thing you need for a business. So I wanna make sure that people are doing both things at once. Um, you know, building for the, like the long game to reference my friend Dory Clark's new book, but also going for the immediacy of testing ideas and seeing what lands. So my suggestion would be to, to next time you do something, figure out how to make it something that people have to opt into some kind of landing page. You can use MailChimp, it's free. And then capture those emails so that you at least start to know who, who's actually interested and drawn in because we don't own all the other platforms. And right. you know, we've seen people getting barred and banned from Facebook and Instagram, and that's their whole livelihood is just gone for like that week or whatever. Um, so definitely own the land, which is the email list, but don't set arbitrary numbers for like, I can't do right. this until I have this many people. And like part of the process is you add people to your email list while you're doing stuff. So my book, um, I mean, you're, you're privy to the numbers. Um, we were just under like, we're, so I had like, um, I don't know. I can't remember now. I had like 1300 people. And then right before the pandemic, I took 300 out because they had no open emails in a year. And then I slowly was building back up and was just under 2000 for like four months because you kept saying like, we're almost at 2000. It was like, we were like within 12, like for four months, just going covering there. And then of course, by, you know, creating a, a landing page for my launch team, over 500 people to join my launch team. A lot of them are new to the list. That's attracted a lot of new people in, getting on podcasts, giving people the opportunity to opt into a landing page to receive the big results toolkit um, in response to getting the book. Like, So all these things means that I'm gonna be adding a lot of people to my email list. But to me, it's about adding the right people who are actually interested in the work that I'm doing right now, as opposed to it just being sort of a random hodgepodge of people that I happen to have met you know, at a conference or something. So. Um, Definitely find ways to build your email list be- yes. beyond one. And I will say one other thing about email list: the easiest way to have zero unsubscribes is to never email your list. Okay, that's not effective though. <laughs> people get all freaked out. <gasps> Three people left. I'm like, that's great. It's actually a good sign. You know, people right. are reading your emails and deciding it's not for them. That's good. You'd rather that than them hang on and never open your stuff because then it affects your open rate. So. Um, and deliverability, right? Like um, the the big lists actually have to really worry about that. You have to worry about trimming. We don't, you know, when you have a smaller list, it's not as much of an impact. All right, we are way, I don't even know what we're talking about now. We're just getting off into a riff. So 
I want to know if there was a tangible thing you're planning to do now that you've read the book. Like, are you moving forward and doing the, the Wake Up Your Network workbook? Yes. So I have my uh, spreadsheet. It's about... Will you, just, will you describe it a little bit? Yes. So you take... So for, for this example, I used my LinkedIn contacts. I downloaded them. And I sorted... I, I ranked them by, like, the rankings you have in the book of who knows me, who would be happy to hear from me, who would be a good referral partner, who's an expert in this thing that I want to do. So I ranked them and I've started reaching out to people and it has yielded. I I mean, it's so weird because this is so simple. Like now I feel like I could have done this three years ago, but I didn't because I didn't think that that was like a thing. And I've been talking to people and so I started with the experts because that, or the people I considered experts, right? And I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing, but I feel like there are holes. Do you mind hearing me out? And they're like, absolutely. Should I, can I call you now? Can I text you? Like, how do you want to do this? And I'm like, oh, that was easy. I get, and they're like, here's my Zoom link. Just, I'm here now. I'm like, okay, sure. So I'll, I'll click on the Zoom call. And we're in there, catch up for like five minutes. And they're like, tell me this great idea. Tell me this big thing. I'm so excited for you without even hearing what I have to say. Like, I could have said, I want to sell ketchup popsicles to people wearing white gloves. And they were just so supportive already, like off without hearing anything. And then once I like, not pitched them, but once I, I gave them the brief overview and they're like, oh, do I need that? Hold on. And then they would ask clarifying questions and take me, we would go down this journey and it's like, this idea is good. This is, and I've had it in my head for three years, four years, and I've done zero about it, except it's on a goal list somewhere. So the next piece to keep in mind, because I think it's, it makes sense for you to have gone to some fellow experts to get some clarity around your idea. But I think another common sort of mistake that happens and it's it's human instinct so i don't think it's something we can easily avoid is that we get very tied to that idea then and how it's going to be and we our ego kind of gets wrapped up and it makes it harder for us to make modifications so before the idea becomes too solid i want you to stop talking to experts because the experts are not buying from you mm -hmm. right they're not so that's one of the uh, classifications in the spreadsheet. It's people who would potentially, at least in my mind, where it stands now, would be interested in something like that. Yeah. So I've reached out to them and same thing, same enthusiasm, same like, hey, let me know. Let me put the kiddo to sleep and I'll I'll call you or we can talk about it. And there, uh, people have mentioned like, what about this? Wh- where would this fit in? And it's something that I completely missed or didn't think about because it's not a problem for me Mm -hmm. it's not a problem for the expert and i'm like oh and they're like if it was me i would stick it in here because it kind of makes sense and i'm like okay this thing is forming like it's growing legs on its own and it's really yeah but it's interesting i would have never done i've never done it before so i was actually on uh one of my podcast interviews recently. Um, I love guesting. It's been so much fun. Um, it's, I, I, I've done a lot of guesting, but it's been sort of sporadic over five years. This is the first time I've been really focused on being on lots of shows. And it's, it's, it's been interesting for me as a guest to think about things and see what comes up. 
But I had this revelation or realization that I've been doing a variation of what you just described um, since college, um, maybe even before that, because I used to call it, in college, I called it the whisper campaign. Um, it was, if I wanted to do something, I was part of a lot of clubs, you know, like I ran a lot of groups and stuff. So if I wanted to like try out a program or do some kind of activity or whatever, I would talk to people one-on-one, um, -on -one, just like casually um, get and get their response. And if the first six people, you know, you'd know, you'd know within six people whether there was enough interest um, to warrant bringing it up in a meeting. And if I did bring it up in a meeting, I knew that some of the people I had talked to had been continuing to think about it and they would then weigh in because they didn't, it wasn't like new information for them. It's something that they had been like, you know, vaguely had in their head. And so when I would bring it up, like suddenly there'd be like a lively discussion. There'd be like way, like a lot more buy-in and it'd be a lot easier to sway, you know, a decision being made as opposed to like, well, let's just table this for now because no one had, no, we've never thought of this before. And I just, it, to me, it made sense because if an idea didn't get any traction and I've just done this for all kinds of things, then I, that would sort of tell me not to continue pursuing it. When I become an entrepreneur, I forget all about that. <laughs> I like, it's so weird. Like it was almost like a community organizer practice. It was the way I organized, right? I was a community organizer. This is how I do things. I was, I'm an event planner. This is how I decide what kind of program I'm going to do. Why wouldn't I do that as an entrepreneur? But you know, I used to have a paycheck and they would take all this money out for like, you know, taxes and, and retirement. And when I become an entrepreneur and I don't do that for myself, right? So like, I don't know. I don't know why we think so differently in the entrepreneurial space. But to me, I'm realizing now this is not a new concept. It's just, I've never... I never documented it before. Because freedom, focused on the freedom. Since reading your book, I will say that the one thing, now I, when I wake up in the morning, I sit for five minutes while I'm waiting for my coffee to brew or whatever. And I, the question I ask myself every morning is how am I going to complicate my day today? <laughs> and I always have something. I always have an answer. And I'm like, okay, we're going to try not to do that. I love one, it. Like by the time I get to my desk and then if I haven't done it, I, I'm super excited because I'm like, oh, my gosh, I am breaking these habits like great, wonderful. And then well, sometimes, it, you know, doesn't I got to hear this phrase again. How 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 was again? What was the phrase? How am I going to complicate my day today? Mm -hmm. We do it, it all the time, all the time. You know, Naming something gives it so much, you know, the ability to sidestep it, to examine it, to consider it, to act on it on purpose, to avoid it. Like, what, right? Like, when, when it's it, even Harry when you Potter. still do it, you know you did it. It's Harry Potter. Hermione said it. Mm -hmm. fear, of, fear of the name only increases the fear of the thing itself. I love I'm you. A huge, that I'm a huge nerd. I'm sorry. That was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. Way to, way, to, way, to, way to wave that freak flag. Yep. So, um, <laughs> all right. So we're going to wrap up in a minute here. Um, I want people to know where they can go and get a copy of the book. And I want them to know that the book isn't just about a book. So the book, again, is Small List, Big Results, Launch a Successful Offer No Matter the Size of Your Email List. It's available at smalllistbigresults.com. Again, that's smalllistbigresults.com. Careful that you have enough L's in there. I like to spell it out with initial caps to not mess it up. And um, the thing is that a book in itself is not a business plan. So I am being very transparent that this book is part of a multi-month launch into an offer I have next year. 
that is not going to be perfect for everybody, but for some people, it'll be exactly what they need to finally get traction on a new revenue or multiple new revenue streams for their business next year. And I'm super excited about it. So there's going to be November 2nd, a virtual launch party. Um, so that's a Tuesday, the 2nd at 1230 Eastern. So I'm really excited for people to join us there, robbysamuels.com forward slash launch party. And I'm realizing now that I'm on this um, fancy thing. I got to learn how to like put up the little thing across. I'm, this is my first time, this folks. the first time. I'm going to figure it out. So we we put this in uh, the comments though for this for this post, and um, there are going to be three a three part uh, masterclass happening November twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth, and I'll be talking more about this Tuesday and uh, the second and Tuesday the ninth. I'll be sharing some emails about this with my email list, and I'll be sharing it on social. But this three part masterclass is me walking through the content in the book and helping you really just like better understand how it, it will be uh, able to impact your business and how you can implement it and how you actually can do this yourself. Um, get, try to get people past all that head trash. And I will be making an offer during that about um, joining me for the next year to be held in account accountability group in a mastermind group with other amazing um, entrepreneurs and business owners just like yourself who want to get things done and don't want to delay. So definitely check everything out. And when you go to smallestbigresults.com, you'll see the opportunity to uh, download the Big Results Toolkit even before you buy the book. So go ahead and grab that. There's tons of resources in there. There is the Wake Up Your Network Workbook, the Analyze Your Problem Language Workbook, as well as several worksheets that will help you organize your calendar. And um, there's like books, recommendations, et cetera. And so lots of good content in there. Um, I would love to hear about the action that you take because of this book. So I'm hoping people will stay in touch and connect with me about that. But I uh, really want to encourage folks to, to do that. And one last opportunity, there wasn't, I feel like, and then slices and dices. Here's one more thing. I am hosting pop-up masterminds. So pop-up masterminds are a great way to kind of give yourself a reason to take action around the Wake Up Your Network workbook, because I do think people need to get a little traction there to see results. So it's $100. I um, date set a couple times each month. The next one's on November 8th and 9th. And you commit to getting started with that workbook. And then you come to a, a program where there's between four and eight entrepreneurs and me. And I answer your questions. Like, what do I do now that I have this list? How do I make progress? What do I write in the email? What's my follow-up sequence? All that stuff. And I want to make sure you actually get going with that because getting that research done will make so much of a difference in what you do next with your business. So if you want to know more about that, you can always reach out and ask me. And the application is robbysamuels.com forward slash pop up app. And I know that Paya, being as awesome as she is, is going to make sure that all these links yes. end up in the comments for me. Uh, thanks, everybody, for checking in. And uh, if you're listening to the podcast version of this, thanks for being part of this experiment where we went live first and we'll be sharing this later on on the podcast. I really appreciate everyone joining us and yeah, we'll, we'll check in. Paya, thank you so much for, for being here. We'll have all the links in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Paya. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 260. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which are your favorite interviews. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. And don't forget to subscribe for free yourself so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week. They'll be interviewing another talent professional who's achieved success in their field or industry. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.